Welcome to America's Heroes Group podcast with information and resources that's disseminated intentionally to empower our military population with host Vietnam veteran Cliff Kelly, co-host Iraq veteran Colonel Dr. Damon Arnold, and co-host Army National Guard veteran Sean Claiborne. And now, America's Heroes Group podcast. Back to America's Heroes Group, a roundtable with our partner, the Chicago Regional Office of Veterans Benefits Administration. January is Cervical Cancer Awareness and National Blood Donor Month. Saturday is January 14, 2023. Is today, tomorrow is January 15th, and that is Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Day. Our host is Cliff Kelly. I'm Sean Clayman, the co-host. Our executive producer is Glenda Smith, and our digital media producer is Ivan Ortega of Scouts Honor Productions. And we have a panelist on the line here. That's Tanya Nixon. She supervises and coaches the Chicago training team at the VA Chicago Regional Office. With nearly 22 years of experience with the VA, she has covered all aspects of the VA disability claims process, including appeals. So how are you doing today? Hi, I'm good, thanks. How are you doing? Very good, very good. So we want to talk about the VA VA benefits eligibility matrix and also the ancillary benefits that may be available to veterans based on service-connected disability evaluations. What can you tell us about that? I had a chance to look at the um, the matrix and there's actually three of them i see there's one for service connected one for non-service connected one for circumstances kind of walk us through this and then kind of give us the information that we need to know about what's going on with sure this. so but since we only had half an hour i'm for this time at least sticking to the service connected disability matrix um since that is our primary one and it's, it's the one that people are most likely to probably um, want to know about, um, but we can always do future ones on, on the others if, if you need that too. Um, so I think most people are probably aware that, you know, if you, a veteran has a disability that was caused by service or incurred in service, we can pay disability benefits for that, for that disability. Um, but what they might not be as aware of is with each level of, um, or each degree of disability, so starting from 0%, 10% on up, um, there's additional benefits that are not just the monetary compensation that they can be entitled to. Um, mm. So do you want me to just Yeah, kind of give us an idea because I noticed a lot of the things when, it's, when you're looking at service-connected versus non-service-connected, a lot of those benefits are similar. And then you also have different they disability are. ratings and things like that. So uh, for, I guess starting out, when you look at disability ratings for service-connected um, members, veterans, what is like what's the main difference between like say a person who's 10 percent versus a person who's 100 percent besides just getting full-blown medical treatment at the va right so it's in part the actual the the amount of money that they get um 10 percent is a this is embarrassing i forget the exact amount right now but i know 100 percent is actually close to three thousand dollars a month mm-hmm. um 10 percent is around two hundred dollars a month i think um so it's there's a you know, vast difference in the monetary compensation. And that originally started, the, the reason the monetary amounts were originally set up was because it was, it was based on if you have a 10% disability, it impedes 10% of your, of your work ability, okay. you know, of your abil- employment ability. Um, and then, you know, so 20% disability would impede 20% of your employment ability and so on and so forth. So it was supposed to be is initially set up, I mean, back in the 40s, to be sort of to replace the income that you might lose because of your service-connected disabilities. Um, over the years, it's it's more just, it's fixed, and it goes with the congressional 
um, the congressionally set cost of living allowance that goes up each year. So it might not be necessarily exactly corresponding with the amount of income lost, but it is at least it, it's an extra benefit that somebody wouldn't have gotten. And one but thing, in addition to the okay. monitor, oh, sorry. No, no, that was one thing I wanted to, uh, to ask, because one thing that a lot of people don't realize is that is you can collect Social Security disability benefits as well as veterans benefits. Is that correct? Correct. Yes, it is actually correct. Um, Social Security is based on, you know, if it's even if it's disability and it's not based on work history, um, the two are considered entirely separate and it's okay. The, the one exception for that is if you're getting a non-service-connected VA pension, that is income-based and therefore any Social Security benefits that somebody got would offset it. But as far as VA service-connected compensation, it is not income-based, so you can absolutely get full Social Security disability and full VA disability. Hmm. So take us further into some of these benefits. That So what, what would you say are some of the most important benefits that um, are unique to service-connected uh, disability or service-connected claims? So I think one of the most important ones, as far as I'm concerned, is any disability that is service-connected, even if it's at 0%, you are entitled to health care from the VA and prescription drugs for that disability. Um, you know, if, it's, if you're service-connected at 0% for hearing loss, you're still going to get treatment for hearing loss and hearing aids from the VA at no cost to you. Um, once you hit 70% service connection, any condition, whether, it's, whether or not it's service connected, you are entitled to free treatment from the VA. So if you have you know, migraines that have nothing to do with service, you can still get treatment at the VA. If you hurt your knee, you know, if, you, if you fall down outside and hurt your knee right now and it has nothing to do with service, you can still get free treatment from the VA if you have a 70% or higher disability rating. Hmm. Um, that... Okay. Oh, sorry. No, it's one thing. I so want to that say to that, me is just. Oh, go ahead. So, <laughs> um, so what, to me, what, the, the oh, medical treatment is is the most important, aside from the actual financial compensation that we that we provide. So I wanted to say because a lot of veterans get confused with the service connected, non service connected, and circumstantial uh, the VA claims. So when we look at the the service connected, one of the key things you mentioned was that it's not income based at all. Correct. So, um, and that's no, no. The reason, the reason why I was saying bring that point. up. Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry, let me interrupt you for one sec. So, as as <laughs> the reason why I bring that up is because a lot of people get um, um, run to a situation, but they're probably what we're looking at is probably non-service connected um, um, claims, where they get a bump up in income. Maybe they took money out of a retirement plan, or maybe they had some kind of uh, income, extra income, one year, and they're retired, and they start having to pay mm -hmm. at the VA for medical uh, services when they were used to getting it, you know, not having to pay at all. Yes, and that is so. Be, below um, below seventy percent uh, combined disability evaluation, if you are treated at the VA for something that is not service connected, your requirement to pay would be based on your financial um, status. Okay. Do you have like um, an idea about what, how that yeah, ranges? What, like what is because like some because people get freaked out when they get that letter and it's like oh or they get told at the VA that now you're gonna have to pay because last year your income increased too much and you know you're not 100 percent disability. It is completely understandable. I don't know the exact income rec limit um, changes for that because I'm I'm with the benefit side, not the hospital side. But I do know um, if somebody's near or below the poverty level, they would not have to pay at all. Okay. Um, the poverty level is unfortunately very, very, very low. So, I think it's 
around 20,000 a year, which is extremely low, obviously. Um, but there are different tiers, and I apologize that I don't know all those tiers because I'm not with the hospital. But I, you know, there, there's it is graduated based on what your income is versus how much you're responsible for financially with the hospital, with the VA hospitals. Um, hmm. I believe, yeah, I'm trying to think. I, I don't know exactly the, the limits, like I said. Um, but again, once somebody hits 70% or higher with their VA disability rating, it doesn't matter what their income is. It doesn't matter what the, the condition that they need treatment for is. It is covered. Okay. So what else can you tell us about the, the service-connected um, disability benefit claims? And then also, sure. if someone is denied for some reason, what is the review process like? Because I know you have a lot of experience with re the review process and also appeals and so on. Correct. So um, one of the other big things for any, any service-connected veteran, um, again, 0% on up, they are eligible for a 10-point veteran preference in federal hiring, um, meaning if they apply for a job through USA Jobs, um, and it's not just with the VA, but for any federal agency, and if, say, they and another person were roughly equal in terms of their qualifications, but one person is a service-connected veteran, they have a 10-point preference, which automatically puts them above that other person um, in terms of deciding who is the most qualified candidate for for employment. Um, and I, I know some people get confused about that. It doesn't mean that you automatically go to the top of the list, but what it means is that is an additional amount that helps bump you up above somebody who might be, you know, the same or similar qualifications as you. So it is a boost to be able to, you know, so service-connected dis disabled veterans have a slight advantage in terms of getting federal employment. And then the 10 points, so how is it, so to, to translate that for everybody, how significant is 10 points on an application for a federal job? It's been a while since I had to review the applications, <laughs> but it's it may not be a huge bump, but again, if, if you're in a pool of people who with all similar qualifications, which often it is, um, that would put you on top. Um, let's see. Once you hit 30%, disability, um, you not only have that 10-point veteran preference in hiring, but we also have what's called direct hire authority, which means that you wouldn't have to compete with everybody else necessarily. So, so is that, and what that does is that for mean? 30%. So if you apply for a job and you're 30% disabled, then you're like, is that a basically a walk-on job, or how does that work? I mean, it, there would still need to be a position open. Mm -hmm. um, you'd still need to meet the basic qualifications for it. You know, you, you can't, if, if if a job requires, you know, that you be a certified nurse and you're not, you know, it doesn't matter how high your disability rating is, you won't be, you know, you won't qualify for that. But if you meet, you know, all the basic qualifications for the job, the that federal agency could choose to just bring you on without opening, a, you know, without, without opening, um, well, a position opening. Um, so you wouldn't be competing with as many other people. Now, of course, you that would generally be done through the um, formerly known as vocational rehabilitation and employment. It's now veteran readiness and employment. Um, but that is because, you know, if you don't know somebody at a specific agency, obviously you'd have no connection for them to be able to hire you directly. But working through VR&E, they could reach out to an agency and say, hey, I've got somebody who, you know, seems to be this, this job seems to be a good fit for them. And they are 30 percent or higher disabled veteran. Do you have a position? 
Mm-hmm. So as long as you fit the qualifications, um, you're 30% disabled. Um, the job there has to be a job opening. Did I hear that? Did I hear that correctly? Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you don't have to go through. They don't have to post a job and say we're hiring for X Y Z position. So we're hiring. I don't know. Maybe it's an. Um, I'm, I'm just doing it out there. Maybe a nursing position at the VA. If you if you if you're a nurse and you and you're uh, and you're qualified to be a nurse and you're 30% disabled as a veteran, you can just go and and say, okay, I, I want to be a nurse. If there's a there's a job opening, I want to be a nurse, and then they can just hire you on the spot. Potentially, yes. Um, the other option is also if somebody applies through the regular process, but then it's noted, oh, well, they're 30% or higher, they could just be selected based on that. Um, you know, they they could then rise to the very top because of their direct higher authority qualification. Hmm. So what's the next level up beyond 30%? You got me excited now. I don't want to do um, that's... other stuff. You can... <laughs> I'm not disabled, but <laughs> no, that's... I can pass the word along maybe to somebody. <laughs> right. You know, that, that's basically it as far as the federal hiring goes. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's, I mean, that's pretty big. Yeah, it's huge. Because especially, you know, especially since we're in um, the USA Jobs environment where people apply online there there can be hundreds of applicants for a single job and so being a disabled veteran especially with a higher disability rating you will automatically get more notice than somebody else who's you know not a veteran or is you know maybe zero percent disabled mm-hmm. so beyond 30 percent so the next tier is what's the next tier is that 50 percent is, is that right um well as far as as far as the hiring process Nothing. <laughs> um, but as far as, you know, as far as the compensation process, we've got, you know, it's it's in increments of 10. So 0, okay. 10, 20, 30, 40, 50, you know, so on up to 100. Um, there's other ancillary benefits that are eligible, or, you know, that are applicable that aren't necessarily related to employment. Um, all of, you know, no matter what percentage you are, if you are a service-connected veteran, <clears throat> you have commissary and exchange privilege privileges at uh, military bases. So let me, let, me, um, let me pause you right there for one second. So if you're, say sure. you're a National Guard or Reserve, and you never was de- you never mm-hmm. were deployed, or you never you never spent more than six months in active duty, do you still mm-hmm. get to use the commissary? Do you still get to use the PXs around the country? How does that work? Um, so I don't know as far as, I, I, I believe if you're actively in the Reserves or National Guard, I think that qualifies as being able to use the commissary and exchange privileges. Otherwise, you would need to have... I'm sorry? That's that I've done. And and while in service, I've used the commissary and PX, but once you get get discharged, then what what are you eligible for? So if you retire from the military, and I believe that includes retired from the National Guard or Reserves, um, then you would still have those commissary and exchange privileges. If you did not retire, you know, you, you did a certain number of years, but not enough to qualify for retirement, you would need at least a 0% service-connected disability rating. Um, and that is entirely you said a, possible. You said a 0% disability rating? At least a 0%. So yes. how, does that, how, can you, how does that work? What is a 0% disability rating? <laughs> Um, so you'd, you'd actually be surprised. Um, there's there's quite a few disabilities where you have a diagnosis, but it doesn't quite meet the criteria under the 38 CFR um, Code of Federal Regulations Part 4, which is the rating schedule. Um, one of the biggest ones that we grant at 0% is actually hearing loss. Because okay. um, somebody weird. has to be... Hearing is, pre- you would think hearing be, that's like, that can be huge. You can't hear. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it's um, the... 
the level of loss that somebody has to have in order to meet at least a 10% disability um, evaluation for hearing loss is significant. Um, wow. It's actually surprising <laughs> because I have, you know, people I personally know who I think, wow, they're, you know, they can't hear a thing and they're still 0%. Um, and that's based on the, the rating schedule. Um, it is set by Congress. So, you know, good people to talk to if you want to try to <laughs> try to change the, the disability evaluation schedule a little bit. I don't think that's a very easy thing to do. Um, but so hearing loss is one that we frequently will grant at 0%. Um, or if somebody broke a, um, their pinky finger, I know it sounds silly, but it's, you know, we, we service connect everything we can. Um, if somebody broke their pinky finger during service, that finger would be a 0% disability. Um, you know, even if it hurts now, it would still be a 0% disability. Um, you know, there, there's a whole range of things. But basically, if you have a diagnosis but don't meet the official requirements for a compensable evaluation, you'd be at 0% for that disability. Well, I know a lot of guys, especially like from the Vietnam era, that lost fingers during, you know, during uh, mm -hmm. service. Like this loss, like lost no. finger, not just broken fingers, but lost fingers. That's so different. they will qualify as zero percent. They're not even they're not using VA services at all. Uh, some of them that I know, some well, because of you know their experiences they've had, they don't want to have anything to do with the military. A couple of the guys I know, but I know a truck driver that, for and example, that, is an that unfortunate. does not use the VA. They're connected with his benefits, mm -hmm. but he don't won't even he would never have any clue if he's zero percent connected. He could actually get something for that. Yes, and quite frankly, if they lost a finger, that is significantly different from okay. breaking a finger. Okay. Um, and I'm. Sorry, I'm looking up the schedule. <laughs> um, it, it does actually make a difference. If, if you actually have a loss of an extremity, even if it is a finger, um, there is, sorry, let me. Not to be morbid, but do they distinguish between losing an entire finger versus, like, say, the tip of your finger or half a finger? Yes. Yes, we do, actually. Um, let me look up the ratings so that I can actually give you the accurate information instead of just trying to remember. So if you, let's see, okay. If you lost two digits of one hand, even if it was the ring finger and the little finger, so, you know, the two least used, well, according to our schedule, um, if it was on your major hand, meaning if you're right-handed, it's on your right hand and you lost both the ring and little finger, that is a 30% disability. Hmm. Um, a little finger on its own um, just the end of it um, would be 10%. Wow. More, you know, most of the finger would be 20%. Wow. So if somebody, if, if, if you do know somebody who's in that position, I highly encourage you to suggest that they, that they apply. It goes by the nickname short finger, believe it or not. Mm -hmm. Short finger. <laughs> so you're it going, sounds if like you're on the road now, grab your truck, go out and get your 10%, man. Yeah. It's, we can help. And say it would that would be I, I love to be able to help people especially when they you know are somebody who did not think that they would qualify I know that there's a misperception among a lot of veterans that oh well, I don't want to I, I don't want to apply for benefits because I'm doing fine let it go to somebody else mm -hmm. it's not um, it, it's not a finite pool here so it doesn't matter if you know 3,000 veterans all file for benefits if they qualify they're going to get those benefits um, that is written into the federal budget um, 
we we are not limited. You know, if I grant one person at 100%, it doesn't mean I can only grant the next person at 90 or something like that. It's if you qualify, you qualify. Period. That's good to know. Because a lot a lot of people do have that misconception, or they have that as I'm not I'm not sure if it's re they're really being honest with themselves. I think there's something else going on with most people <laughs> that tell me that. But you know, they, right. they use that as as a as a reason not to um, I think deal with the VA system or the or remind themselves of mm -hmm. the military, the military experiences. But yeah, it makes no sense right. to think that oh, there's like a limit, this limited pool, this this richest country in the world that we have, and this huge seven hundred billion dollar defense budget with a two hundred something million dollar, you know, VA benefits budget that there wouldn't be enough money to go around for whatever needs to be done. I mean, there, I mean, if you qualify, you're you're going to get it. I mean, that's basically right. You know, so you know, so tell me about the so when people apply for these different ratings, um, how easy or how difficult is it to do an appeal? So if you are unhappy, you know, if you disagree with the decision that we've made, um, we, so as of February of 2019, so it's been a few years now, we have a new um, appeals or disagreement system. It's the um, Appeals Modernization Act. And basically, there are three different avenues that somebody can choose to appeal or re-decide a, um, a decision that we've made. Um, the first one and the one we probably see the most often is called a supplemental claim, and there, there's specific claims forms. If you go to www.va.gov, you can look up the claims forms you need. Um, but the specific one for a supplemental claim, which is it's basically just, hey, I think you should have granted this, or I think this should have been a different percentage. Um, it's a form 200995, or supplemental claim. Um, and that you would have to submit some sort of new evidence that we hadn't considered in the previous decision. You know, maybe if we granted 10% for something and you feel it should have been higher and you had not previously told us that you'd been treated by a certain doctor outside of the VA um, and you send in those those records and it shows that, yes, indeed, you were entitled to a higher evaluation, we'll go ahead and grant that. And if you did that within a year, we will grant it back to the date we decided the original claim. Mm -hmm. um, so that's that's the one, and that, that goes straight to, like, the Chicago Regional Office if it, um, or the, the general VA regional offices. Um, the next sort of – it's not a step up. It's just different, different pathways. But the next one is um, a higher-level review, the, um, and it's done by people called decision review officers. They're basically sort of senior rating specialists, if, for, for lack of a better term. Um, and they can look back at a decision that we made – and decide either that something was maybe not quite, you know, a procedure was not quite properly followed, or that they could see a way to grant something that we had previously denied, or you know, assign a higher evaluation. The um, DROs have the authority to make a different decision based on the same evidence, if applicable. Um, and that is applied for by a, um, it's a higher level review form, and it's. 20996 as opposed to 0995. Um, and finally, the third avenue, and I'm sort of generalizing because I see it's almost five already. Um, the, the third avenue is an appeal straight to the Board of Veterans' Appeals. Um, and they, the BVA, they might take longer, but they, um, the judges for BVA are able to interpret directly from 38 U.S. Code, where uh, we at the VA regional offices um, we have to go by 38's code of federal, excuse me, code of federal regulations, which is in itself an interpretation of U.S. code. 
So in other words, the Board of Veterans' Appeals interprets straight from the original law itself, while we have a slightly more defined process, um, which means that we, you know, the regional offices and the Board of Veterans' Appeals could make two opposite decisions on the same issue, and we could both technically be right. Hmm. So what happens then? Um, if they grant it, it comes back to us and we grant it because we've been told to do so by the BVA, even if our laws, you know, even if the regulations that we have to follow did not initially allow it. If the BVA decided that, you know, nope, this, this counts, we're able to grant it, then we will grant it. Hmm. So it's one of our informal mottos is grant when you can, deny if you must. Okay. That's because, again, know. we want all of our veterans to be able to get the full range of the benefits to which they are entitled. I think that's amazing. Now, now one thing that I saw on there, and it's a, basically a true or false question. Um, so as a, as for, for, for um, service-connected, um, this is across the board. I think it's from between 0 to 100. Are veterans mm -hmm. eligible for, for free hearing aids, free eyeglasses? Is that true or false? Um, I believe that I've heard that is a new thing. Um, so I cannot 100% answer if it's true or false, but I have heard that that is coming. Okay. Well, thanks for your time. You've given us some great information. That is also some information that we need to go and look up as veterans. Go on to the, v the Jesse Brown VA website. Go on to the VA website. Go on to your local VA website and look up the matrix for service-connected, non-service-connected, service-connected, and also circumstantial uh, benefits because there's a lot of things you can get out there, and, and you work for it, you've earned it, you served, you should get it. This is America's Heroes Group. Agreed. We have our panelist, Tanya Nixon, supervisors and coaches of the Chicago training team at the VA Chicago Regional Office with nearly 22 years of experience with the VA. So it covers all aspects of the VA disability claims process, including appeals. Thanks for your time. Thank you for listening to America's Heroes Group podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so you won't miss an episode. And for more details, visit americashg.org.